2: You know what that music means. It's time for the Jeff Katz Show, but it's not Jeff Katz today. It's John Burkett, the CBS's Crime Insider, filling in for Jeff Katz this afternoon. What a great seat to be in. December 18th, 2023. I can't believe it. It must be the older I get, the faster it comes. We're a week before Christmas. A week. Hopefully you got all your shopping done. I tell you, this year... I've done something that I've never really done before, and I've shopped more online than I've shopped at stores out there because the crowds are crazy. It's hustling and bustling. Just not something I want to be a part of. Plus, my work schedule is just off the hook, so I, I try and get out and do what i got to do. But this thing is uh, its coming in hot and fast. Seven days to go before the big man comes sliding down your chimney with a sack full of toys for your kids. Hopefully they've been good. So it, uh, it definitely is, is coming in fast. Again, John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. Just kind of want to give you a little uh, overview of what we're going to go through this afternoon. We got the uh, Reopen the Case Foundation documentary. That comes on tonight at 10 p.m. on CBS 6. I'm part of that documentary. We've been working on it for months, and I uh, kind of want to promote that because it's a big deal uh, that is the Lunenburg County murders. And it's, we specifically focus on Sion Carroll. He was a 17 year old boy that was found in Lunenburg County. Uh, he was murdered. He was from Henrico County, actually, got into a little bit of trouble in Henrico County, moved to Lunenburg with his grandmother, and he went missing. And then he was found in a shallow grave about 10 days later. So that's part of the Reopen the Case uh, Foundation documentary called Center Street want to talk a little bit about that. Also, I want to talk about the Kamar Hall vigil. That's uh, that's next week, or that's this weekend, my bad. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Kamar Hall is, uh, tragically, and in, in you do this around this time of the year when you think about people that are going through tough times, and definitely when I was on scene last week of the Wednesday night murder at the Dollar Tree in South Richmond on Richmond Highway where a robbery went bad The clerk was murdered inside that store, 5 o'clock. We're talking rush hour. Uh, And a lot of people inside that store. Well, that clerk's name was Kamar Hall. And they're having a vigil for him on uh, Saturday, so I'll give you that information as well. We'll also have Steve Neal, my buddy Steve Neal, and co-author of Bearing Witness to Evil, the book I wrote with him. He'll be in studio here shortly. We'll talk about crime in the area uh, obviously, it's, it reverts or converts to a crime show when I'm on it because that's kind of my specialty. Uh, I know Jeff is uh, talks about other things, but I talk heavily about crime. Uh, and we'll also have uh, Mary Johnson from Mary Johnson Fitness, holiday tips to uh, keep trim and not uh, blow out your, your weight during the holiday season. So a busy afternoon. We'll also have the, uh, Jose, Rodriguez, Jose Rodriguez as well. He's part of the Isaac uh, Rodriguez Foundation, and uh, I'll give you the backstory on that when we get to it. But but first, I want to kind of get to our first guest. And uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, my wife was telling me this story, and they were and they were um, uh, raising uh, canned foods and for the food pantry down at VCU, and uh, they do do it amongst departments down at VCU, and they have a little friendly competition and. And uh, you know they they go through and raise non-perishable items and stuff like that. And she told me the story of uh, a chaplain that works down there, and it kind of took me back to the days when I was a, a young kid. And uh, you know, not not all of us grow up with silver spoons, and and some of us grow up in hard times. And you know, when I was growing up, I grew up with three brothers, two sisters, a busy family, and and one of the the things I always remember about Christmas time. Was the way that uh, I lived in a house that my dad built, and and I remember sitting at the top of the steps with my brothers and sisters, wondering if Santa came, and and coming downstairs, and there was six different piles on the hearth next to the 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 fireplace, with each kid had had a pile from Santa, and uh, you know not realizing then how overbearing and that is on my was on my mom and dad. You know, it uh, it's all about them. When you're a kid, it's about get, 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 get. But now, the the more you get older, it, it's about giving, and that's that's what I think about this next gentleman here. It's Reverend David uh, Jamel Williams. They call him DJ, and DJ is a Reverend down at VCU Medical Center. He is a chaplain, uh, and and he's done, he does good work down there. and And, and I want to kind of bring him in. I want to talk a little bit about what he does at VCU Medical Center and VCU on campus, but then I want to get to his backstory, and the backstory is where you uh, really got me choked up when I was talking to my wife about his story. So, uh, Reverend DJ, if he is there, is he there online? Uh, I am. How are you? DJ, how you doing, bud? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Thank it's you. Good, how
3: about
2: you? Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for joining us on the Jeff Katz Show. Hey, real quick, I wanted to get just kind of a background. How did you... Uh, Right now, you work as a chaplain for VCU, correct?
3: Actually, I'm a chaplain resident. So, okay. so what's that uh, we mean? are students. Okay. So, we're students. We're students first. Um, we're actually learning to develop and cultivate the clinical skills necessary to be adequate chaplains in various settings. But we do serve with the spiritual care department. So, in regards to that, we serve under the tutelage of accomplished chaplains, and we're learning to be better chaplains in the course of doing so. Gotcha. So what's your what's your uh, the, the
2: way you grew up, man? You, you didn't all you were not always here in Richmond. Where were you before?
3: So originally I grew up in New Jersey and I moved to the Richmond area when I was about 10 years old. And I've pretty much grown up here <laughs> ever since. It wasn't until recently that I moved back to Jersey and I'm now here for the residency program here at VCU. So once you complete the residency program, what do, what does that mean? So uh, I'll have yet another master's to add to my list of academic (laughs) achievements. uh, But I also have the units necessary to try to qualify for board certification. And as a board-certified chaplain, um, I have the credentials behind me to actually go on and do this work in a more impactful way in various settings.
2: What are some of the things that board-certified chaplains do down there? I mean, obviously, this is a medical campus, a medical college. Uh, is it one of the duties, is it to be in the emergency room when trauma comes in and and be with families?
3: So that is part of what we do. Um, In a sense, we are there for the spiritual and the emotional support and care of all the persons you come in contact with, especially the patients. So people often come in to different settings with a lot of issues, right? Right. Um, Obviously, it's a stressful time. You have all kinds of traumas going on and all kinds of personal laments you may be carrying that can also be advantageous to your health, to your healing and your recovery process. And we're there to help those patients process those things and to serve them in a way that helps them become aware of some of the things they may be working with that may or may not be quite beneficial to their own recovery. And we're there to be that kind of, that kind of support. That's awesome work, man. So
2: what, what, what do you like most about this job? What What's the most gratifying thing about being a chaplain?
3: So, I have to say the 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 trust that's given, right? We're we in a time where a lot of times people's trust gets taken advantage of. People get mis, 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 misused and abused in different settings, especially in religious settings per se. Um, but to be able to come into a room to work with somebody, to to be welcomed in that space with them, and to be entrusted with their own issues, their own vulnerabilities, their own confusions and insecurities and to even be a part of their blessings and the processes that they're going through that they're proud of that to me that's sacred there's nothing more personal nothing more powerful than being involved in the most intimate parts of someone else's life right. and being welcomed there and being trusted to not take advantage or hurt that person when in that space
2: in in dj is there an influx that you see that you can think of this time of year where it just it's a tough time for some people I mean, it's not all merry and jolly for everyone out there
3: Oh, indeed. Um, I think, you know, research would definitely tell us that a lot of people go through some of the deepest levels of depression during the holidays, um, especially with people have gone through any kind of loss. You know, let's say a loss of a loved one, for example. Um, you're now experiencing this time of year where we celebrate family, we celebrate prosperity and joy and thankfulness. And there are some people who may not find much joy in the fact that there's some things or some people that aren't there that they wish they could have been. They may not find in their own personal lives many things to be thankful for so i would definitely say at, at this time of year um there's a definitely uh, a heightened sense of hurts of loss of laments maybe even of depression and things of that nature and i think there are certain researchers that will definitely support that claim
2: that's that's just it's just amazing work you do down there now listen we're going to go to a break real quick but we're going to come back with reverend david jamel williams and i'm going to get into the story about how he got to where he is today as far as um, uh, helping others. And it's just an amazing story. I don't want you to miss it. So stick around for the other side of the break. There. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Cass this afternoon, December 18th, 2023, 318-ish. And uh, we've been talking with Reverend David Jamel Williams from VCU. Uh, school of health down there and and Reverend Williams you still with me I am now this is where I want to get into the the backstory because this backstory is it shows your character it shows a lot about you so not in it's kind of why in my monologue I talked about not everybody's handed things in life growing up you had a, a tough time growing up and if you can fill us in on what you can
3: Oh, uh, yes, yeah, sure. Um, there were times where we, my family, we weren't destitute by any means, but we definitely we knew what it meant to struggle in some ways. Right. I can remember times when I, I can remember times when I was a kid and I used to hear my mother fussing on the phone with the power company because the power got cut off. And she's like, look, I got babies here. know, what, what, what can I do? Um, I remember times dealing with food insecurity. Which is part of what led to what I believe influenced the opportunity to even be here speaking with you. Right. And, you know, food to be tight. And uh, I remember one story in particular that I had shared recently. Um, my family and I, my cousins, were all together and we all ate, had a great time. And I noticed that my mother had kind of pretended to eat. And then uh, I didn't really think much of it, but I crept up later on that night to just creep out to the kitchen, just, you know, doing what kids do. And I noticed my mother was putting back the food that she pretended to eat and some of the other foods she so could try to make something new for the next night. And, you know, those kind of things as a kid, you know, you may not fully understand the implications of what you see, but those things stick with you. And so I, I grew up uh, extremely poor in many cases, privileged. My mother definitely sacrificed to provide right. for our family, but definitely grew up knowing that there was a lot of, a lot of str- sacrifice, a lot of struggle.
2: And, and D.J., um, it, it had to hit you in the gut when you saw mom repurposing
4: food.
3: It did, um, and I never brought it up to her. Uh, in fact, I think the first time I actually talked about the story since being a child and seeing that was actually during the time where I got uh, caught actually giving food back for the food drive, trying to help out with our initiatives for that. And I uh, told that to one of the coworkers who saw me. It was asking me why I would do things like this. Right. But yeah, um, it, it is tough. And, and as a kid, you may not always find the words to adequately express your thoughts or your feelings. But those thoughts and those feelings do stick with you, and you no, know, they do, and end up in many ways helping form a, a world view of how you see yourself, how you see systems, and how you cope with different struggles and things of that nature. Is, is that you know, one I thing? Could. Is
2: that one thing, DJ, that steered you towards becoming a, a reverend and a chaplain?
3: Uh, I would like to say that it was, but the truth is, um, sometimes those things can actually steer you another way. I right. think when I was younger, my, my thoughts were, I'm going to be rich and influential, right? So I would never have to deal with these kind of things again. And it was more about, you know, a me, me, me. What can I do? What can I get? Where can I grow? So that I, and maybe my family, right, <laughs> uh, would not be experiencing these kind of hardships again. And it wasn't until later in college um, that, that ministry became real for me, that yeah. I found God to be real for me. And then it didn't become about a me focus. I realized how much in the midst of my lowest points in life, God was there and God provided people to be there for me in very real and very tangible ways. And I was like, you know, I can no longer seek to do things just for me. I started living for other people to try to be for others where I needed in my worst times. And and, And I think that is a huge part.
2: Yeah. And one of those people that did something for you, Take me to that story, because that's the one that really, I can tell you, I I got misty-eyed when my my wife told me the story. And basically, you you hadn't eaten for a couple days, and you were at wit's end. It was, was, you know, now or never.
3: Right. So um, I believe the story you're talking about was when I was an undergrad. Uh, I was a student at ODU, and uh, I would drive cabs at night (laughs) to be able to pay rent and bills and things of that nature. And I would be going to classes during the day. Not sleep in between. And there was one time I got off of my nightly shift and I got off the bus and um, I was walking past the hotel and I could smell the food from outside the hotel. And so I walked into the front lobby and I spoke to him behind the counter. I was like, look, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm a college student here at the school. I'm not trying to hustle you. I'm not trying to make up any story, but if I could just have some of the continental breakfast food you put out there. I'll stick to the side. I won't bother nobody. I'm just kind of hungry. Can I have some? And the lady looked at me sincerely, and she's like, "Baby, listen. If I'm ever behind this counter, and 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 you want something to eat, you just come here and help yourself." And and it's moments like that 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 literally shows the humanity in people, right? That was right. a blessing, and I don't think that woman knows how much that meant to me. That kind yeah.
2: gesture it steered you in a different direction.
3: It definitely helped, too. Yeah. So and now
2: so had- now now that 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 that. Uh, dire need for food then has now got you collecting food and and when you're you're now successful and, and you're now collecting food for the food pantry talk about what you guys did recently at vcu
3: well yes so um so the food pantry is a it's an initiative started in vcu to help some of the students here on campus i think we often look at college kids and we think oh well they're on campus so they must have everything that they need and that's not always the case right um, and a lot of times it's because of that perception that many students may not find the space comfortable to talk about some of their struggles and their needs. So the food pantry was designed to help facilitate that void in many ways. And uh, the College of Health Professions, the CSP, was able to uh, do a food drive. I believe this is something they've had going on for a while now. And uh, this year we raised well over 3,000 pounds of food to contribute to the food pantry to help some of our students here who may be going through food insecurities and other hard times. And you alone
2: raised about a fifth of that, right? About 620 pounds you raised.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, so the story behind that, my, the director of our department, um, she, she, we won, our department rather, won the contest last year. And so they took a picture and a video promotional to say, Hey, we won!" uh, as a way of just celebrating the friendly competition between the departments. And I happened to be in the area. So she said, you're a part of our team come be in this picture with us. And that was an immense honor. Right. Right. And so when I was a part of this, I'm like, wow, um, I didn't do anything to deserve to be in this spotlight with them. And I see what they're doing. I see the cause. I want to make sure I do something to go above and beyond. So I found out how much food we as a department had raised, last term that allowed us to win right. and I made a personal mission to try to raise at least 100 pounds more than that and to bring that to the department That's and, awesome. um, and I was doing that um, I have a little Honda Civic and <laughs> so 624 pounds of food is, is, is a lot for a little car like that right you, so
2: you, could, you, could, see, you could see sparks fly right the, the muffler was hitting <laughs> the ground
3: <laughs> oh, there, there was definitely some grinding going on with those tires mm-hmm. I tell you um, <laughs> but I came by in the morning and I dropped the food off. Um, and I, my plan was to come in super early, drop it off, and then report to do my clinicals for the day and nobody be the wiser. And the second morning I did it, um, the office, the department secretary happened to be there and she saw me and she was like, wait, what are you doing? Wow. And And that's how all this came to be. So, yeah.
2: Well, Reverend Reverend DJ Williams, man, it's been an honor to have you here, sir. And uh, I tell you, man, when people listen to your story, it should be a reminder that this is a season. This is a season of giving and not always getting, not always receiving. So, if folks uh, if folks want to give and help the food pantry for next year, uh, who do they reach out to?
3: You know, that's a very good question. I wish I had an adequate answer to you, but I would definitely advise people just reach out to VCU, try to reach out to the Rams pantry uh, and, and find out because, you know, it shouldn't just be a season, right? I mean, this should be a spirit of generosity that we have. I, I personally believe that we've been blessed with much, so we could be a blessing for others who may not have much. Well, I know and you're f- never really know.
2: Yeah. I know oh. your full story is on CHP.VCU.edu, so maybe that would be a, a good spot for them to start. Uh, to to see your story in print, I mean, it's just it's you do yeoman's work, man. It's amazing what you've done and what you've done in your life to kind of turn things around to help others, and uh, it's just it's just awesome to be a witness of. And we really appreciate you. Wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Rev, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Okay.
3: No, I thank you for the opportunity to share this story and to help be a motivation to other people to be about even greater work. I really appreciate it, and thank you. Yep. Thank you
2: much, Reverend David Jamel Williams from VCU. He is a, uh, a chaplain or a student chaplain down there at VCU. He's going through it, and uh, he just shared some enlightening stuff for us for the holiday season. Hopefully, you soaked it in. We'll be right back after the break. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. A
3: little
2: eggnog with Snoop Deal Double J. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz this afternoon, humbled to sit in the seat of the man that's ranked number two for a mid-market size show in 2023 by the Barrett Media Group. Jeff Katz doing a good job and good things here in Central Virginia. It's December 18th, 2023, 3.34 this afternoon. I just spoke with uh, Reverend DJ Williams from VCU. He is from the College of Health Professions, and uh, he told us his life story about why he spends a lot of time giving back to the community and, uh, and raising uh, non-perishable items for, for RAM students that, that need it. It's a tough time of year, and uh, he does good work down there. So uh, I'm also joined in studio by my buddy Steve Neal, a good friend of mine, for more than 25 years now. And Steve is also the co-author of the book we wrote together, Bearing Witness to Evil steve
4: it's good to have you man thank you sir glad to see you what would you think about uh dj you know i was really impressed with your previous guest and the thing that made the most impact on me was the fact that he took a bad situation and he made something good out of it and you know that's the lesson for all of us uh, young people and older alike life's going to throw you a curve sometimes but let's do something with it and uh, make something good out of something bad A lot of
2: times people can get that curveball and can strike out real fast.
4: Yeah. So, you know, it's up to us. We're all going to struggle a little bit. You're going to have some tough times in every life, but uh, it's up to us to decide how we're going to respond. And and that's what I was so impressed with the Reverend Williams and and how he's been in a tough situation, but he said, I'm going to do something about this and I'm going to turn it around. So good for him.
2: And this is a guy, man, that, uh, you know, he is needed down there at VCU Medical Center with the amount of trauma patients that come in. I'm sure he's sticks with families uh during the toughest times of their lives when gunshot victims come in so this guy is he's doing great work down there
4: there's plenty of folks down there that need help so uh you know thank goodness for him and i say god bless him
2: so reason why i have uh steven here is we're going to spend a good part of this show talking about crime crime trends in central virginia and there's nobody better to do it than retired captain From Chesterfield County, Steve Neal. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, this report that I got this afternoon. And our uh, good friend Jimmy Fitzgerald sent it to me uh, from NBC News talking about how they think crime nationwide is down. And I know I look at things through a smaller lens because I'm kind of in the middle of it on CBS 6.
4: But it, it seems to me in our area that crime is up. Well, you know, I'd like to see that information and verify it because I, it's not my belief that crime is down nationwide, but I, I certainly would uh, tend to believe that crime is up in Metro Richmond, anyway.
2: When when you see some of the stuff like we we saw last week, and you you were in the trenches for decades, I mean, you did thirty years of law enforcement for Chesterfield Police, and you see what you saw last week, and it is it, it tends to get to me, it hits me a little bit harder. As I get older, and when you think about, this guy was in a Dollar General store doing his job, trying to make and earn a living for his family, trying to buy his grandkids some toys for the holidays, and 10 minutes till 5 o'clock in the afternoon, rush hour. Rush hour, Steve. Somebody comes in, pulls a gun, says, give me your money. You're not moving fast enough, and then executes him.
4: What a crushing blow and how unfair it is in life. Sometimes here's a man, a good man. That's working for a living, uh, doing everything right that he's supposed to do. And some evil thug comes in and uh, takes his life. But I will say that those are the type of incidents that motivate law enforcement. Those are the things that make us come in every day and get up and go, Hey, I'm going to catch that guy. We're going to, we need to put him in prison. He's a bad man. So it's a terrible, terrible situation, but from a law enforcement perspective, that's the kind of thing that revs me up and said, let's go to work. And and they did go to work. Now, they haven't officially
2: announced an arrest to his case, but they did find uh, another gentleman that uh, that they've arrested in connection with another Dollar General robbery on Hall Street prior to his, uh, his homicide. Now they're trying to see if that guy is linked to the, the homicide as well. So they, the, the clerk, his name is Kamar Hall, and they're having a – uh, vigil for him uh, this Saturday. Let me read the information to our folks out there listening. It's a community prayer vigil, Saturday, December 23rd, 3 p.m. at the corner of Richmond Highway and Ruffin Row. That's where the Dollar General is. So uh, they're asking for folks to come out there and show their support to his wife, uh, his, his children, his grandchildren. This guy was a grandfather, a father, a husband, an employee. And I think one thing that really, really hit me, man, was when they told me he was not, he had already given in his transfer paperwork to leave that store last Friday and move to a Chesterfield County store.
4: Wow. Well, that's sad, uh, very sad. However, I want to encourage people to come out and support this family as well. One of the things that uh, sometimes is lost on a community is when somebody is a victim of a crime they're not the only victim uh as you say in this case he's got a wife he's got children he's got grandchildren he's got friends other relatives there are a lot of victims that have come from just this one incident so i would strongly encourage the people in the community to go out and support them as best they can
2: and then think about the folks that were inside the store when all this went down i talked to one of my buddies last week he said this could have been a lot worse because of how packed that store was. It had the Pepsi Cola delivery guy in there. It had several people shopping. I mean, it could have been horrific.
4: No doubt. No doubt could have been much worse. And I, I am thankful that, you know, it wasn't worse than it was because sometimes, as you know, we get these multiple casualty incidents saying, no, uh, it can be just awful with a, a lot of innocent victims. John Burkett with Steve
2: Neal here talking on the Jeff Katz radio show uh, here on WRVA, also around the globe on Odyssey app. Uh, Talking about last week's homicide that really struck a chord with me on the south side. Uh, That south side murder put Richmond over last year's totals. Uh, We're now at 63 compared to 60 from 2022. That stat alone tells me we're up on violent crime. I don't know what this national organization is talking about, but we're, we're up here in Richmond.
4: You know, I actually think that crime in general terms is local. Now, of course, it's important what happens in Missouri, but uh, what's really more important is what's happening right here in our own backyard. So I think crime is, for the most part, a local event, and we need to treat it as such. And, and therefore, we're going to have an impact. If our crime in our region is up, it's going to affect our whole region, like we talked about before.
2: Yeah, and that, that last Wednesday night, it was a, uh, a violent night in the city. It had two, two people that were murdered that night. And then two people shot the next morning in Fairfield Court. One of those died. So you're talking three homicides in about 14-hour time frame.
4: Yeah, it, it, we need to get it under control, and you know there are a lot of different factors playing in it. We'll probably talk about them in a few minutes, but uh, I, I hope that uh, law enforcement's able to get this under control soon. Well,
2: again, Kamar Hall is the victim, the store clerk uh, from uh, from last Wednesday's shooting and i i spoke to his wife via facebook messenger spoke to her on the phone as well and uh just uh, gut-wrenching hearing her voice and she's beside herself man she doesn't know what to do that was her rock
4: yeah co-victims is what we call it like i said numerous people are affected when one person goes down so i feel for them So, again, John Burkett with Steve Neal
2: here on the Jeff Katz Radio Show, 342 this afternoon, December 18, 2023. We'll be right back after these messages, and we'll talk more about uh, crime and crime stats.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Yeah, laid back. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. In studio with me, Steve Neal. We've been talking about crime, crime trends. Uh, It's 3.48 here. This December 18th, 2023. And Steve, we talked a little bit off air about... uh, I've, I've been a guest several times on John Reed's show in the morning. And, you know, obviously he lives in Henrico County. We're talking about these crimes that are moving into the county and into the parts of the county where you normally don't see that kind of crime. For instance, this morning, uh, a suspicious death, uh, a body found near Fargo and uh, in Parham Road, which is right in the West End, not too far from us. Do you think it's just because we're reporting it more and more is available on social media? Or what, what do you think it is?
4: Well, actually, I don't think that's exactly what it is. I I do think there seems to be an increase in some very significant crimes in Henrico County in particular. Now, the caveat to go with that, and I want to make sure I talk about it, but crime happens everywhere. And serious crime, homicides, all types of robberies, crime happens everywhere. So... That in itself is not necessarily noteworthy. What is noteworthy is when it seems to be an increase of violent crimes in a certain area that you don't normally have that much volume. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about with these recent crimes in Henrico in the areas where some of them have been occurring. They're just not accustomed to that type of crime. In that area. So you can be a victim anywhere. You have to keep your head on a swivel everywhere you go. But I do think there's, it seems to be a bit of an increase in certain areas. Normally, when you talk violent crime, and I hate to
2: stereotype, but it's normally the east end of town is where we've covered uh, in Henrico, especially the, the violence. But man, we had a, in the north side, Glen Allen had a, what we now know as a domestic double homicide recently, got this body found. In the West End today, um, I know a lot of folks that live in the West End. You know, it, unfortunately, they they live by well. It's not supposed to happen here, right? But like you said, it can it can happen anywhere. It doesn't matter where you live.
4: It definitely can happen anywhere. And I think in uh, this cases that you're talking about. I think it's an increase. Now, it could be several different factors at play. Uh, One, you could have a certain group of bad guys that are hanging in a certain area. And sometimes when you have that, you'll have an increase in crime because you've got a a one or two or sometimes even five bad guys committing crime in in the same area. So that could be part of it. Uh, I'm not sure without knowing all the details. Some of the spike,
2: if you talk to law enforcement experts, and I've talked to you several times about what's going on, and do you think that maybe recruitment plays into some of this and manpower issues play into some of this because they're going to areas where they know there's no police right now?
4: Well, I think that is absolutely an issue in our area and also nationwide. And everybody knows for the last several years, law enforcement has struggled, uh, one, with recruitment, but also with retention. And, uh, because of an anti-policing type sentiment in a lot of areas, a lot of officers have decided they, one, don't want to go into the business and two, they're ready to get out if they can. So I do think that manpower and staffing, uh, does have an impact on crime. Uh, there certainly is no question about that. I was kind
2: of reminded to ask you that question a little on the screen on the, uh, the news channel we have on here and it was saying that army is struggling to recruit soldiers, and it's the same way in the, in the community. It's police are having a hard time recruiting police. You know, I remember when I first met you back in early 2000, uh, you know, Chesterfield County probably had eight or 900 applicants
4: to become a police officer, elite no question when i first came on now this has been a long time ago uh so you're going back you know over 40 years but when i first came on we had over 800 applicants apply for the job that i applied for and there were 15 jobs at the time so when i looked at the 800 applicants i felt like man that's i I probably won't get that job i mean there's 800 people here competing for it uh nowadays in your average typical police department they'll struggle to get four or five good applicants every time they offer a test
2: and what people don't understand is that you can't run uh, um you can't run a recruit class unless you have a certain number to start with a and then b during that process people are dropping out they're going to drop out it's it happens in every recruit class
4: it's just not efficient unless you have a certain number of applicants and recruits there's no doubt about that and Historically in law enforcement, the uh, training is difficult and it's long. It typically lasts about six months. It's very intense. So it's not unusual, even uh, back in the old days, to lose some of your applicants. So if, if you only start with four or five uh, and, and you have three drop out, you've not had a very successful operation.
2: I think last time I talked to the, the county manager in Henrico County, John Vitokis, he was telling me they're at least 50 short. Here in Henrico, Richmond is still over 130 short. And if you mean to tell me that the guys out there doing bad things in society don't know these numbers, you're fooling yourself.
4: Oh, there's no question. They know that law enforcement is struggling. There's no question. And what happens is the administrators, the people making decisions, have got to make some really tough choices. If you're 100 and some people short, you got to make choices about what special assignment you're going to fill, how many people are going to be on the street at any given time, all types of impact that it's going to have on your agency. And that's going to bleed over into the street. And uh, it's going to make it easier for the bad guys to be in charge. And in Correct me if I'm wrong. If
2: you disagree, let me know. It feels like the the bad guy has been emboldened by those numbers as far as I did a report last week, two weeks ago, about how four officers in a month's time, luckily all non-life threatening, but they've been shot at or shot Here's in Central Virginia.
4: I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, that's one of the things I talk about all the time. The bad guy has been emboldened. Now, that has happened for a number of reasons, uh, one of which is society, the general attitude towards law enforcement in society. There's not quite as much support as there used to be uh, just a few years ago. Another thing is a lot of places are struggling with their prosecutors. The prosecutors are not prosecuting like they used to. Uh, Another thing is, for example, during COVID, there were a lot of uh, felons released from prison. And when they release these people from prison, where do they go? They go right back on the street, and they're going to continue to commit crime. uh, And then you've got officer shortage on top of that, and you add all of those things together, and the bad guy has become emboldened. And you can see see it even in the way people drive. If you drive up and down the interstate today, you can see if people are kind of running crazy, they're running wild because there's not as much law enforcement presence. There's not as much law enforcement to uh, keep your foot down and try to uh, try to work on the bad guys, which is the way we used to do it back in the day. We focused on the people who were really committing the serious crimes in our jurisdiction. Right. So generally it was a relatively small number and we would put our resources on those people and we'd go after them till we got them and we, we would keep them down and restrict their ability to commit crimes. And I, I think the, uh, The public safety business overall, which includes the uh, magistrates, the uh, commonwealth attorneys, the jail system, everything, I think the whole system is struggling to to make that happen.
2: Retired Captain Steve Neal with me, John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. We're going to be right back after the break. We'll talk a little bit more about crime, crime rates, and we'll tell you about who is hosting tomorrow's show. News Radio 1140 WRVA. John Burkett filling in for the GF Cats on 96.1 FM and the Odyssey app all around the world. 403, this December 18, 2023, joining me in studio. It has been for the last 45 minutes or so, retired police captain in Chesterfield County, Steve Neal, also co-author of our book, Bearing Witness to Evil. Some of these cases we've talked about, probably time to write another book, I
4: think. You know, there's no doubt uh, there's been plenty of things happened recently, and there's plenty of material, unfortunately. I-, I wish there wasn't, but maybe it is time to do a sequel.
2: So we've been talking a lot about crime, crime moving into the counties. I just got an updated notice that uh, from Henrico that they do not, again, do not believe foul play uh, in the body found uh, at Fargo and param in the west end which that could mean overdose anything
4: yeah it absolutely could doesn't necessarily mean anything other than they don't believe that one person did harm to another that's really what it means uh, multiple different ways a person could have died and that's still to be determined by investigation so
2: obviously they'll send that guy's body or, or female's body whatever it is to the um, medical examiner's office they'll make a determination sometimes what six six weeks or so for toxicology
4: Sometimes about that for toxicology, but they'll have a very strong idea before that as to whether or not. In fact, as you said, they've already made determination on scene that they don't believe it was foul play. So the police already have a a pretty strong idea of what they believe happened, but they'll just need it confirmed by the lab results.
2: And when you're looking for uh, what could have caused this, when they first say it was suspicious, obviously it's probably suspicious because of where they found it, uh, but... But when you say no obvious signs of trauma, you're looking for wounds.
4: Yeah, that's what obvious signs of trauma means. Gunshot, knife wounds, somebody hitting the head with a baseball bat or something on the body where it's pretty clear and obvious that uh, something has happened that was not uh, intended to be that way. Unfortunately, we see a lot of that in our line of work, or you did
2: in your your 30 years with uh, Chesterfield. I've seen a lot of it in the last week or so. I've seen a lot of this kind of stuff, and uh, it's really sad around this time of year. I think it hits harder because I personally, I feel like, you know, this is a time where you're supposed to be getting together with family, friends, uh, and if you have some kind of a traumatic situation, man, this is going to ruin the holiday for years if not your entire life
4: well i think for most people they'll never forget uh when you suffer that kind of trauma it's bad just in and of itself but then when it's associated with some happy event a holiday or something like that i I think it's uh it's next to impossible really to be able to Uh, Find joy in the season after something like that happens. Uh, Coming
2: up after the break, we'll have another guest in the studio. His name is Jose Rodriguez. And Jose, uh, for those of you who have not watched some of the segments I've done on Channel 6, I've done several stories on Jose's son. Uh, His son Isaac was murdered in August of 2021. His killers have still not been found. Um, In the two years that uh, Jose has uh, grieved his son's loss... He has uh, gotten married, and he's got a sweet wife, Martha, and they've come up with uh, a foundation in, in honor of his son. And so we'll have Jose on in just a couple minutes to talk about what that foundation is doing and, and how they plan on using, using uh, Isaac's memory to uh, help those that are in need in our community. So that's coming up in just a, a few minutes. also want to talk about real quick before we get a break. Talk about tomorrow's slate of hosts. And you you know a couple of them. Uh, Jeff Katz, not the radio Jeff Katz, but Colonel Jeffrey Katz from Chesterfield will be filling in along with Sheriff Carl Leonard and Delegate Tim Anderson
4: uh, you know three men, all three men, I think, right? Yeah, I do, and uh, especially the two law enforcements, Colonel Katz and uh, Sheriff Leonard, two of the finest that you're going to find anywhere, and Chesterfield County is extremely blessed to have them as their commanders, and uh, I consider them both friends, and I think it'll be a terrific show, and very informative.
2: Now, you and Carl, you went through the academy close to each other. Was it the same academy, or...?
4: Yeah, Sheriff Leonard and I were actually in the same uh, law enforcement academy uh, way back in 1982. Uh, we were young Chesterfield police officers together uh, through the, the majority of his career until he became sheriff.
2: And some folks don't, they don't realize this guy, he worked double duty for a long time, Sheriff Leonard did. He was Coast Guard. He was high-ranking in the Coast Guard. He, he worked as, what did he get up to in the police department, a major? He was a major when he retired. Major when he retired, and now he's the sheriff of Chesterfield County. Uh, Just two good men over there as Colonel Jeffrey Katz and Sheriff Leonard. And then uh, I've talked to Delegate uh, Tim Anderson. He's a lawyer down in Virginia Beach several times. I spoke with him during the whole uh, parole board uh, story I was doing. So uh, it's going to be an interesting show tomorrow. I think it's going to be dynamite. I'll be listening. So uh, right after the break here, we're going to go talk to – Isaac, I mean, uh, to, to Jose Rodriguez about his son, Isaac, again, his son, Isaac was murdered in August 9th of 2021. And, uh, they've got a foundation, him and his wife got a foundation they've put together and, uh, they're out there doing good work for the population. Uh, even though he, he has not gotten an answer and this guy struggles with this daily. I mean, I, I've known Jose for a couple of years now. He struggles uh, he struggles daily with uh, not knowing who killed his son and of course he, he'd like answers but uh, in the meantime he has put uh, a bad thing behind him and now he is focusing on the good we'll talk about what he's doing good in the community right after this break News Radio 1140 WRVA John Burkett filling in for the Jeff Katz This December 18th, 2023, joined in the studio by my co-author of Bearing Witness to Evil, retired Captain Steve Neal from Chesterfield County, and now on my right, you can't see it anyway, but he's on my right, is uh, Jose Rodriguez, and he is uh, the father father of a homicide victim in Richmond that I've grown close to. I call him a friend, and uh, I've known him for about two years now, and during this holiday season... He has taken the negativity, and he's turned it into something positive. And we'll get to that in a second, but I'll get Jose to uh, just kind of, uh, first off, it's been a, a roller coaster for you, to say the least, uh, dealing with the loss of your son.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some things, you know, I don't wish to nobody be in this situation because loss of son, man, This I can't even have a word to say how to, how to feel it.
2: Your son was murdered August 9th of 2021. Uh, you've dealt with just about 780 some odd days of not knowing who did it. But they know that multiple people probably involved. And, and this is something that you and other victims face all the time. And Steve, you could chime in too. That, it, you know, it's, it's to the point where you don't even know if you're standing next to this guy in the grocery line.
5: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is some situation they. I don't know. I, sometimes it's hard for me to speak, you know, when I talk about my son. You know, yeah. Because feel taken half of my life.
2: And this is around, we talked about, Steve and I hit on this earlier, this is something where you come up on Christmas. This is a time that Isaac loved.
5: Yeah. That's the time, you know, You that's the moment you miss your whatever you, whatever you lost, your father, your son. You know, it's, yeah, I miss that. I'm gonna miss you know uh, buy a present for him mm-hmm. and a lot of things you know at least call he called me uh some Merry Christmas there, or anything you know
2: and that's all you need. you didn't need a you didn't need a material gift all you wish you could have is a, him to say
5: yeah I mean I don't need nothing out you know you feel good when when you you know your son calls you hey daddy how you doing you doing okay yes okay I just checking on you and this time of year you know yes I don't expect you know to give me a press or whatever you know. Yes, I'm happy you know he's okay. I mean he called me, Merry Christmas. Yeah, but that don't go happy anymore.
2: So how have you uh, dealing with grief and different people deal with it in different ways? But you you and your wife Martha have come up with the Isaac Samuel Rodriguez Foundation, and, and what does this
5: foundation do? Well, this is, uh, we have bring the idea, you know, one of the thing is we don't want to, his name, forget it. You know, we would try to give him memories. And our foundation, you know, we try to help a lot of people in different ways. Like, we try to give him some toys, uh, whatever, you know, we can help the people they need it. And the other thing in our foundation is, is if somebody really needs some help, like, fix his house, we, we, we do on a foundation. And I want to make it clear when we help, like, you know, see the house, or they need to fix the, put a new paint or fix whatever. Uh, we, we, we're there. we in there, we, we help. But one thing I want to make sure that clearly, I have a lot of, a lot of material left over for a lot of different jobs. And that's what I do. When I try to help people like that, I tell it. Are going to use the material already have. Right. Our so it's kind of like
2: beggars can't be choosers kind of thing.
5: Exactly. It's, a quite, it's good material, and they're quality material, and that's what we use. And we're not charging nothing. And one thing is a guarantee. We guarantee after we left any place we, we fix it for. in our foundation, they're going to be 100% looks better than the was.
2: And what people don't realize is by trade, you're a a contractor by trade. You do a lot of different things, and painting is one of them. Yeah. Uh, Building, uh, other things, contract work.
5: Yes. Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of things. You know, we paint it, we carpentry, we do everything. We do modeling anything. So that's why I told the people, you know, they need anything, you need some help, we've been there. But, again, I use the material I already have. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to buy this material. I already have a lot of materials wood, paint, good quality material. And I use that. And I say, I'm going to buy it. I use the one that I have.
2: Isaac's looking down. What does he think about what dad's doing? Well,
5: he's, man, it's, it's hard to talk to, you know, but he was always like to help people too.
4: He's, pr- he's proud of his dad, I can tell you that.
5: Yeah, and I mean, he see it. I know he's he's happy. And uh, he always liked to do that, too. And he was excited when he got his job. And uh, the only thing is uh, he told me, Dad, I don't have those tools. I told him, don't worry, I'm going to help you. I'm going to buy the material. I mean, the tool you needed for the He was mm-hmm. a mechanic. I don't have it. I mean, the week I'm going to take him to buy the tool, you know, this. This is the week he could kill. Ugh
2: awful. So with this foundation and through this foundation, what age group are we talking here? I, I saw some of the toys. They look sort of like six and under kind of toys that
5: Yeah, we have uh like sixes under. Uh these toys and uh we have some uh hood uh bananas and and uh gloves.
2: Oh, bandanas, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: Gloves, bandanas, yeah, uh, yeah. stocking hats. Yeah, yeah. So we have all that. The, and that's what? for any age. That's for yeah. The older this age. is for any age. Yeah.
2: Okay, and the, and this is the email here. It's Marta Alvarado, nineteen seventy six at iCloud dot com, and that's M A R T A A L V A R A D O one nine seven six at iCloud dot com. If you or your family member is in a situation where you could use help from the Isaac Samuel Foundation, Isaac Samuel Rodriguez Foundation, uh, you can email that and, and get in touch with uh, uh, Jose or his wife Martha uh, through that email. And again, they have toys about six and under, and they have uh, hats and scarves and gloves for for uh, some of the older kids, they you know, really, they don't need toys anyway. They need, need something to go to school with and be kept warm with. So, uh, why why did you decide this? This is the avenue we want to take.
5: Well, you know, the other side, they had decided I'm trying to, like I say, the first, I'm trying to keep his name. Keep his name. Don't forget his name. And I want, you know, all the kids be happy. Maybe not a nice, Toys, but uh, something, you know, a gift is a gift.
2: Have um, something to unwrap.
5: Yes, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things, is somebody, you know, call us or email us. They want to help with anything. After we do anything, I'm going to ask you for, please, they can give us a review in our foundation. That way we keep, keep it going.
2: Kind of a pay it forward kind of thing. You know, if, if they enjoy your work and what you've done for them
5: to spread the word. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's all I'm asking for.
2: So you, know. you run you run JMR Painting and Improvements. That's the contractual part of this. This is the, the contractor side of the house. Uh, and these are fo- folks out there that you work through the foundation. It's like if someone doesn't have a, a ramp for um, a wheelchair to go up, you can help build a ramp and stuff like that.
5: Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like I say, you know, we can help with anything, anything. And, again... We use the material we already have. And, and also that email,
2: the, the Marta Alvarado email, and I'll give that again before we get off here, that's, that's who they need to reach out to. Exactly. And that, and that yeah. I, I don't want to give phone numbers because I think people bombard the phone number and you know, it's not, not what we want around the holiday season. Um, and again, if you're just tuning in, uh, Jose is the, the father of a murder victim in Richmond. His son's case is still unsolved uh august 9th uh 2021 is when jose got the the terrible news and uh i'm with steve neil uh, retired uh police captain for chesterfield as well and you got something you want to
4: say i do ladies and gentlemen somebody knows something about this case and yeah. you know that's a fact there's people out there who knows what happened and they know who was responsible and we need your help you need to come forward And, you know, use your conscience a little bit. Let's think about what we got here and uh, do the right thing. And whoever knows about this, let's get on the phone right now and let's uh, make it known to authorities, and authorities will do the rest. So um, Jose and Isaac, they need your help, so let's get it done. And Jose has dealt with this
2: for, like I said, just over two years now. And uh, I know he's gotten updates, and I know he's had some downfalls, some letdowns. Um, I know that are several people are involved in this case. And that's the, the one thing that hurts is that, uh, you know, several people are involved, but no one's given the right information. And, you know, these detectives are out there and they can't do it by themselves. They have to have people that say, I saw this, this is what happened. And you got to call that anonymous tip lines, 804 781 It's always been that 804-780-1000 detectives are his case is not technically cold Mm -hmm. but this is certainly a a case that uh, has not had any amendments to it here in
4: the past two years Uh, we need your help the detectives you uh, give them the information and that can be done anonymously uh they need the information they'll do it from there so you know let's again let's make it happen right now i mean now's a good time let me give that email one more time real quick okay Jose, what's up
5: yeah, uh, one of the things I want to mention, you know, this uh, it's like Mister Steve say, is somebody in there? You no, know, they know what what happened. In, like John say, it's a five thousand dollar reward. Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollar rewards is somebody bring any information, and the, the police or detective make some arrest. It's a five dollars reward on there. Five thousand. Okay, the best can get.
2: Five thousand dollar reward. You heard Jose say it. That email, one quick time, is martaalvarado1976 at iCloud.com. We'll have this on the Odyssey app uploaded to the uh, the page here shortly. So you can get, uh, if you need something for the holidays, you can reach out to JMR Painting and <coughs> Improvements. Uh, I am John Briquette filling in for Jeff Katz 427 this afternoon. We'll be right back after the break. It's the end <laughs> Steve gave a thumbs up, up to that
4: one. Country boys can't survive.
2: Dry.
4: Are you saying I have a funny accent?
2: <laughs> I would never say that.
4: Okay, go ahead. Where are you from again? Louisville? I actually, I was born and raised in New York City. <laughs> not.
2: But isn't that how they say it? Is it Louisville?
4: Yeah, Louisville. And that's one of the ways and I was on the police department. I used to know if somebody was lying to me, they'd say they were from Louisville or yeah. Louisville. And I'd say, no, you're not.
2: Yeah, Louisville is what I used to call when I watched the March Madness with Rick Pitino back in the day. It was Louisville, and then you you taught me differently.
4: Yep. If you're a native, you say Louisville.
2: (laughs) John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz, the CBS 6 Crime Insider. And I'm joined by uh, retired police captain Chesterfield, Steve Neal, also the co-author of our book, Bearing Witness to Evil. Uh, Steve actually was the, the main guy on that I was just the, the second hand on that one because, uh, Steve wrote a book about toxic bosses He's done really well.
4: And, uh, there's toxic bosses everywhere. I mean, and you've got toxic bosses everywhere. So that book applies to any business, even though it's got a little bit of a public safety lean since that was my primary career, but you, you've got them everywhere and, and the, uh, advice and the different things in the book, they're applicable to anybody.
2: I know that when I was in the military, I had a few toxic bosses and, uh, you know it was good to uh get away
4: <laughs> no doubt <laughs> no doubt for those that don't know let's talk just a second about bearing witness to evil you, you want to do that yeah sure sure
2: i if, if, if the folks that uh haven't listened to jeff katz's show and have us promote it before w- w- steve and i did write a book uh two years ago yes sir. two years ago uh bearing witness to evil it is available on bearing witness to also the uh Amazon
4: and Walmart and everywhere else. You can get your books. One of the really nice things and things I really enjoyed about writing that book, uh, we, we, took 15 different significant cases that have happened in the metro area over the last 30 or 40 years or so, and we chose those cases for two reasons. One, because they were very significant, interesting crimes, but two, because you or I or both of us had a personal connection to each one of those cases. So we had a little bit of an insider scoop, and and therefore it gave us an opportunity to talk about it in a little bit different way.
2: Recently I was in Lunenburg County, we were there shooting some video, actually, for this documentary that airs tonight, the Reopen the Case Foundation documentary on Lunenburg. Uh, I ran across a, um, a pastor, a female pastor there, and uh, I was trying to get her to talk on camera to me about the cases down there, and she said she wasn't very interested. She goes, you know, I, I taught in the system, in DOC, for 40 years. And she said, you know, some of my students were the Briley brothers. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the Briley brothers in our book.
4: And, and folks who don't know, those guys were, they were some mean dudes. If you have an interest in crime, and especially local crime, the Richmond metro area, uh, you ought to go back a few years and research the Briley brothers. Uh, three of the meanest, if not the meanest uh, criminals that we've ever had in the history of the city. And the, their uh, crime way that they were involved in was absolutely legendary, including when two of them escaped from, Uh, while they were on death row. And that part of the story is what
2: we have. We, we talked to the, the one female that she works, uh, in the restaurant industry now, but she was actually in the tower when they, they pulled their escape.
4: Yeah. Great story behind the story. The lady who they actually took hostage at, at uh, knife point and made her provide the code so that they could escape from the from the uh, state penitentiary. So it's an interesting story. If you have a chance, I would encourage people to look up the Briley brothers. And walked us through pretty much how they got out. I mean,
2: listen, that place is surrounded by razor wire and everything else, but they... They, they used their, their noggins to get to get out of there.
4: Well, you know, uh, you you recall they pretended to have a bomb, yep. and uh, they had a, a little smoke that they were showing off of a, a device that was covered up. They said they had a bomb. They were going to detonate it if they didn't let them out. So uh, they made their way out and were on the run for several days before they were captured. I was about to say the manhunt is, I think it's more what I remember. And I was
2: a, a, a kid growing up, but I remember my father coming home one day and, and grabbing the shotgun and and it was just that was a sign of the times man. and the bradley brothers were out it was a it was a scary time around central virginia
4: you know, people were legitimately afraid in central virginia when uh, those killers were out and about they were legitimately afraid for their life
2: 438 john burkett filling in for the jeff cat show uh jeff is he's off doing some duties uh, right before the holidays here. It's is we're a week before christmas so it's It's uh, coming down to the final stretch of 2023, almost hopping into 2024. Uh, Tomorrow's show, we got Colonel Jeff Katz. He is the chief of police in Chesterfield. So if you hear Jeff Katz tomorrow, it's not the radio Jeff Katz back. It's the Colonel Jeffrey Katz filling in along with Sheriff Carl Leonard and Delegate Tim Anderson, two of those
4: men you know pretty well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Friends of mine, and they're going to be outstanding. Two of the preeminent law enforcement professionals in this area and and probably in the entire country.
2: So that's tomorrow's show, filling in for that show. It's it's just an honor and and humbling to sit in in Jeff Katz's seat. I mean, this guy is one of the top 50 talk show hosts in the country. I mean, he just, just voted that. He's also voted number two. Uh, from the Barnett Media Group of Mid-Market Show in 2023. So high accolades coming to the Jeff Katz Show. Uh, and I, I know that uh, listening to his counterpart in the morning, uh, John Reed, uh, it just is, uh, b- both are just great dudes, and I've known John for a long time. John was uh, an anchor on uh, my competition, uh, WRIC Channel 8, uh, decades ago. So that's how I know John, but uh, both of them do great work here on News Radio 1140 WRVA, and 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 both deserving of of whatever uh, accolades they get here in this industry. I can tell you that. Uh, Four thirty nine here this uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. After the break, we're going to come back with Mary Johnson from Mary Johnson Fitness. She will talk a little bit about how to keep the waistline thin. During the holiday season, we all want to divulge into some good, good food and and big eats. I need that. <laughs> so we'll we'll stick around after the break. We'll have Mary Johnson from Mary Johnson Fitness News Radio, eleven forty WRVA. Uh. Some that's some uh, that's old school, man. old school workout music yeah. there. Olivia Newton-John. Let's get physical. That's my (laughs) era. That's your era. 4.45. It's Monday afternoon, December 18, 2023. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. I got my co-host here sitting here, Steve Neal, a former retired police captain. We're getting ready to talk to Mary Johnson from Mary Johnson Fitness. She's going to tell us how to keep fit during the holiday season. And Mary, that is a hard sell. When you've got someone like myself who wants to do the soda can curls and uh eat everything that's in front of them <laughs> so how do you uh how do you uh say to stop binge eating during the holidays
0: okay so thanks for having me on the show for yeah um i really appreciate being able to share some drop some knowledge your way um I, uh, first and foremost, like, just make sure each day you're you're following something that's going to give you, like, 30 minutes of time of moving, look at your step goals, um, you know, whether you're counting those step goals from the couch to the table to the fridge, the couch, do it, like, 20 times. Get 10K steps per day. That's a really great way to guarantee, you know, even though you're going to be indulging in some of your um, Family's favorite holiday feast. right? You can stay on top of it by just watching how many steps you're getting in for the day. So um, a, lot of, a lot of times you want to go and just sit and chat and catch up with everyone, but um, make sure you hit those, those step goals like by the end of the day. It's one of, one of the biggest helpful hints first. So,
2: so let me ask you this, and this is what I've tried in years past, but it just doesn't work for me. If I want a hunk of cheesecake, and that cheesecake is say hypothetically four hundred calories, I can't just get on a treadmill and run for four hundred calories and get
0: it off. Oh no! Oh no! That's gonna take a little That's it. Might it might give you that little energy? You have to put that that on an incline. But uh, let's say that that you do want to indulge in, you know, your, your little piece of cheesecake, just, just have a bite and be done. Um, I do think that there's some really smart recipes out there too, that, you know, you can, you can jazz up some of your favorite foods. Um, so cheesecake is one of them. Like you can, if you know that your, your favorite thing is, you know, a chocolate strawberry cheesecake. There's a way to to definitely decrease the fat calories in there and make it a little bit higher in protein.
2: And that's what you're you're so you aiming, you're, so you're aiming for the proteins, right? Yeah. right? Right?
0: Yeah. I mean, when yeah. you talk to di- yeah. you
2: talk to dietitians, all of them will say you you got to get your protein
0: in. Yes, for sure. Um, good rule of thumb is make sure you're having an equal protein to your carbohydrate. Uh, so you can have your carbohydrate, obviously, is going to be a sugar of some sort sometimes. Um, you do also want to include your fruits and veggies in that carbohydrate. But, um, you know, you just want to make sure that you're having an equal balance with those two. Plus, it'll help you to stay full so you don't feel like you're going to, want to eat a whole bunch of desserts after you've eaten your turkey or wings or you know ham whatever it is that your protein sources for that um holiday holiday feast
2: we're talking to mary johnson from mary johnson fitness i I can ask you this i have a hard time controlling just i want to go grab the ham i want to grab the turkey i want the stuffing and i want to pile it on so how do you control the urge i guess is what i'm saying especially when i know that you you go into the holiday saying listen i'm gonna eat what i want because my new year's resolution is to lose weight is to do this is to work out more but normally i put that resolution on the back burner and that gets farther and farther away when you get into the new year so how, how do you how do you stop the urge
0: You just have to have self-control at that point. Um, You know, I I do think that if you have a little bit of each thing that you want, don't fill up your plate so you can't see the pretty design on the bottom. Um, Just, you know, put a little spoon of each thing and a little slice of your turkey, a little slice of your ham. Um, There's some great guidelines on um, food Dot gov, which they can actually provide some, some nice Tips. portions. If, yeah. you, if you don't want to be the one to weigh out your food or, uh, you know, you're not going to pull out your digital scale to see how many ounces of something you're going to have, um, you definitely want to make sure that you're having a fair portion of your proteins and your, your carbs, and your carbs should come from your fruits and veggies. So fill that plate up um, with, with the good stuff first. Let it sit for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes and eat slow. Enjoy your food. Make sure you, you chew and then swallow. I know a lot of times, you know, you want to have your food and you just kind of gulp it down, right? right. So um, that's another way that you can help to stop the binge eating part is just slow it down. Let your body just digest it.
4: That's great advice, Mary. I have a question for you. During the holidays, sure. when especially friends and family, we tend to eat and drink. Are there some things that we should actually just say no to, or how should we handle that?
0: I think having that special balance with um, knowing are you, how are you approaching your time with your family. Is it based around the food, or is it based around Um, being social, you know, I think we have gone in a direction when we can associate just having time with our family, and, you know, you did say eat and drink, um, and you have to look at what is most valuable in that moment. I I I do feel that there is a time and a place to have your one beverage, but you definitely want to make sure you say no if you're going overboard. So things that are uh, very high in sugar, like your cranberry juice, mixed drinks, things like that, you, you definitely want to just probably steer clear of those um, because that is going to be a very high portion of your calories, and um, before you know it, that that's half of your daily intake, um, that you've just drank and, you know, I I would highly recommend making substitutions for those types of foods and beverages if,
2: if you had to. I'm guilty as charged on that, Mary. I can tell you that, uh, you know, the lime aids and, and the punch bowls and all that stuff, the empty calories that I consume during the holidays, I bet you, it's probably seven or 800 calories a day that are empty calories that I shouldn't be consuming. Mm -hmm. I just need to pick up a water bottle, but I'm just like, man, that punch is so good.
0: Yes. Yes. And the shirt, the what's like the Grinchmas punches where it's got (laughs) green sherbet ice cream in it and Mm -hmm. all, all that good stuff. It's, it's, It's just not worth it, um, in the end, because those are things that you don't, you can't see the value in them. They don't serve a purpose. So, um, you know, they look pretty, they look nice on the, on the layout and the table. And, you know, the seasonal things that come around just once a year, like eggnog, that's another one I know a lot of people like to indulge in over Christmas. So, um... You know, if you have those fitness goals in mind, you just have to decide in that moment: is this going to serve you? Is this is this really what you came here for? Right?
2: <laughs> and, and that's one of the, one of the things I wanted to talk before we we go to commercial break here. Is those fitness goals? Obviously, the new year coming up, twenty twenty four. How do people reach out to Mary Johnson and Mary Johnson Fitness to get the groove on, to get the sweat on in the old garage uh, gymnasium over there? And, and get your help yes. and get your help and get on the right track.
0: Yeah, the number one way to contact me is through my website. Um, it's www.maryjohnsonfitness.com. And uh, you can also find me on in- Instagram and also Facebook. I know a lot of people are social media driven too, so that's a really easy way to find me and send me a message through there. And also email.
2: And what's that email? So that
0: email is maryjohnsonfitness at gmail.com. That's pretty easy. Yeah. And my motto always, it doesn't matter what part of the year is, is plan your work and work your plan. So now's the time. If you guys want to get fit, you want to get healthy, you want to change some of these habits, um, we, let's get together and we can plan your work. And then you need to work your plans.
2: Do you normally typically, like about a minute and a half left, do you normally have people that start reaching out this time of year saying, listen, I'm going to eat what I want over the holidays, and then I'm coming to you to work that thing off?
0: Mm. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's a lot of people that will for sure say, you know, I, I, I'm just not quite there yet, but I'm I'm going to be ready in January, so, you know. Putting that vibe out there that you know that you're ready, just jump on it and 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 make that make that plan for yourself and give yourself that gift. You don't have to wait till January to do it.
2: That's awesome. Good advice there, Mary. Mary Johnson Fitness. The email again, Mary John, Johnson Fitness at gmail.com. She's going to help you prepare mm-hmm. for the new year and get you through the holidays as far as with her tips and such. We, uh, we really appreciate you joining us, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys heard it there. Mary Fitness at gmail.com. If you want to lose some weight, if you put on that weight during the holidays, hit her up on that email, and she will help you out. Listen, it's uh, coming up on 457 here on News Radio 1140 WRVA. Steve Neal and I will be back At the top of the hour, just after the top of the hour, with more Crime and Crime Stats. News Radio 1140 WRVA. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. 96.1 FM and all around the globe on the Odyssey app. With me, co-host in another hour, Steve Neal, retired captain chesterfield county steve just telling me in the break here he's got a little side work going on in chesterfield we're gonna to want to promote that
4: well thank you for bringing that up if you're a true crime fan and you really enjoy true crime stories uh i'll give you something to think about once a month uh the next one is going to be january 25th at 6 p.m i'm doing what we are calling a behind the crime scene tape with steve segment it's going to be at the uh Tea with Kip, which is at the Genito and Hull Street Shopping Center, uh, a tea house run by Miss Kip Barefoot. And I will present a different case each month and we'll talk about it in detail. Uh, for example, the case coming up on January 25th is going to be about the Harvey case. So if you're, I'll have some. Uh, crime scene photos and uh, some insider tidbits and we'll talk about things since I was involved in the case uh in some way we'll talk about some things that people don't know at this point and I, I think that uh, adds a little bit of interest to it so if you're a true crime fan and you want to have a, a couple hours with me to talk about a particular case January 25th uh 6 p.m tea with kip and if you're interested. Uh, just need to call Miss Kip Barefoot, tea with Kip, and make a reservation. And we look forward to seeing you there. It's going to be a good time. That's
2: awesome. That's over in Chesterfield County. Uh, the Harvey family, for those of you who have not been in the area very long, uh, 2006, it was New Year's Day when they were attacked inside their home, a uh, family of four, and, uh, and killed as one of the most tragic stories in Richmond's history, um, I would say. Uh, along with the, the Briley brothers and some of the Southside Strangler stuff that, uh, you know, one of the most notable cases in Richmond's, uh, No history. doubt.
4: That's a case that a lot of people have interest in, and that's one of the reason I've chosen to do it. So uh, last month we did our first uh, Behind the Crime Scene tape with Steve, and that segment featured the uh, Southside Strangler, Timothy Spencer uh who was back in the late '80s, and who was actually the first person in the world to be executed based on DNA, uh, which makes that case kind of interesting. So, every month uh, we plan to feature a new case, and uh, we just—it's informal, it's conversation between me and you. And again, if you uh, enjoy true crime, come on out and see me. I think you'll like it.
2: Steve, of course, has got 30 years plus of law enforcement experience. Uh, interesting story itself of how he got into law enforcement. You can find that in our book, Bearing Witness to Evil. Um, and it's just, uh, he's been a wealth of knowledge for the years, for decades I've known, Steve. So it's uh, its always going to be good stuff when you go out and listen to what he has to say at Tea with Kip. It's over in Chesterfield County uh, off of Genito Road. And that's
4: the its the shop center with the food line, right? It is. Genito and Hull Street. We're, uh, not far from where the food line is. Little strip mall.
2: So uh, Wanted to bring up too, tonight is a, a big night for for me. Uh for months I've been working with Brandy Brown and David Stotts over at the Reopen the Case Foundation. Uh we're working on a story called Center Street. This is a uh, uh basically uh a, a homicide investigation that's kind of morphed into a, a lot of different investigations. Uh seventeen year old Sion Carroll uh disappeared in November of twenty twenty two, his body found in a shallow grave 10 days later, uh, he's dismembered. He was shot. They would poured lie on top of him. Uh, now a state police case. The state police are handling the case. So we did a documentary on it. It's airing tonight on CBS 6 News, or CBS 6 at 10 p.m., right before the news. Uh, it is a primetime special, CBS 6 uh, at 10 o'clock, uh, primetime. It's called Reopen the Case Foundation, Center Street, And, again, that's uh, on on CBS tonight uh, at 10 p.m. Uh, I want you guys to take a look at that. And, you know, you can can inbox me messages of what you think. And uh, we'll we'll go from there. But
4: uh, we work real hard on that. You know, one interesting thing about reopening the case, and I give them a lot of credit, uh, something that some average uh, citizens might not know, law enforcement never gives up on a case like that. Uh, They may not have any hot or active leads at the moment. But law enforcement never gives up. It's always open, and any time you can get some additional information, they're going to go for it. So it's really important to be able to bring some kind of justice to people whose families have been victims of crime. And
2: I think that's part of this one that uh, really struck me is just the families. Uh, In this case, it's not all cases that we do, but particularly in this case, families felt like they were victimized again by the system because they weren't getting the help and getting the answers when they they had questions and it, a, a lot of us and, and you know this steve you're in a small town the small towns run by the sheriff's department but there are entities in the town where there are local police departments that are five man deep four men deep it's a bit of a wrench into things when you're when you're doing Investigations because you have to go through the protocol of all right, wait, who's going to take this? And are we going to kick the can down the road to go to Lunenburg? And then we're we going to do it any further go to state.
4: It, excuse me it certainly makes a difference uh in a case like that and politics and all kinds of things can get involved but bottom line is what you guys are doing with reopen the case you're keeping it alive and you're giving it an opportunity to be solved and you're giving that family and that victim an opportunity for justice so good for you i'm proud of you well i know brandy brown and,
2: and david stotch you know they're, they're big on giving a voice to the voiceless and in this uh i think in this episode in totality, you kind of feel like some of these victims have been left to fend for themselves. And that's the sad part about it. But hopefully this this episode, this documentary will, will uh, give them that voice and, and help them get answers that they need. Because I don't think a lot of people understand, man, you're a victim of a, a violent crime. Uh, that thing haunts you daily. I mean, you wake up with this burden daily.
4: You know one of the things that a number of people have told me through the years, and I'll never forget it, but it's very almost word for word quote, and that is, your victims' survivors will say it never goes away. And I think that's kind of what you're referring to there. It never goes away. And you saw it earlier, Steve, with uh, Jose over here in the seat.
2: And uh, I mean, there was uh, we'd ask him a question, and you could see it almost in his face that it, it, it's hard for him to talk about it. It's been two years he can't move on it's because nothing has really been solved in his son's case and yet he he deals with this daily you know he says he hears his boy he hears his son calling him and 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 asking him and telling him merry christmas and this is stuff that i, I don't think about cuz i've never been through something like that thank god
4: you know it hurts and uh, that's the reason why I gave that plea that I did in the last hour. You know, if you know something about Jose and Isaac's case, come on, people. Let's get off of it and uh, give it to somebody. Give it to the detectives, the ones who know. They can take it from there. It can be anonymous, but it hurts uh, the survivors. And uh, I want to see this case solved and a and, uh, little bit of justice for Isaac. There are a
2: lot of, uh, and one thing I have learned during the Reopen the Case Foundation, my stint with them now going on two years, is that there are a lot of cold cases in Virginia, and only 1% get solved. And that is, uh, we need to change that stat. I agree. And that stat is just something that uh, it's mind-boggling, man. 1% of all cold cases, and a lot of it is you talk to detectives, and they'll tell you, hey, this happened 10 years ago, and I guarantee somebody in that community still knows, still has the answer, still hasn't called us.
4: No doubt about it. Uh, In almost every case, somebody knows who committed that crime, and it's just important to get that information to the right people so that the case can be solved. And when cold cases, that's typically the case. Uh, Somebody knew what happened at the time. They just need to bring it forward. Again, folks, if you're out there listening tonight and you want something to watch, about 10 p.m.
2: primetime, CBS 6. Uh, it is the Reopen the Case Foundation documentary on Center Street. It is the Sion Carroll story, along with several other stories we kind of bumped into while we were down there investigating Sion's case. So uh, much uh, props to Brandy Brown, Dave Stotts with the Reopen the Case Foundation. They put together a real good winner Here and hopefully this will bring justice to this family and give them some of the answers they deserve. It's about 5.13 here on the Jeff Katz Radio Show. John Burkett, the Crime Insider, filling in. We'll be right back after this break with more. News Radio 1140 WRVA 96.1 FM. And worldwide on the Odyssey app, John Burkett, the Crime Insider, CBS 6, filling in for Jeff Katz this afternoon, five eighteen, December 18th, 2023. Got a week to go, folks. Week before Christmas. Get your shopping done. I know you're out there listening in between. You return left on the boulevard and hit the mall. You got to get those presents in because those kids, they're not going to forgive you if you forget about them. In the studio with me, Steve Neal, retired captain. Chesterfield PD. We're talking about everything crime. And I tell you, man, I just got an alert on my phone here. One of the craziest things I've read in a while is this crime out of Richmond. Uh, It says charges are pending against a Virginia hunter after the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources determined the Hollywood Cemetery buck was killed illegally in Richmond. So not only are we worried about the shooting of our youth and the shooting of people in Richmond, apparently we have a hunting problem in the in the Hollywood cemetery
4: I've never heard of a hunting of a buck in a cemetery that's a new one on me and uh, I, I don't honestly it kind of confounds me a little bit. what the heck was the guy thinking?
2: So apparently it says earlier this month the hunter he basically told it himself he posted on social media with claims that he killed the buck the white-tailed buck in Prince George County which is west of us he, he said that he killed it with a muzzle loader. But after people recognized the picture of the buck, they put two and two together and called authorities.
4: Well, imagine they had a criminal that would lie. (laughs) (laughs) That never happens. No, no, that's that's very unusual. So this guy's
2: been charged. They didn't name him in the article, but uh, he has been charged with illegally killing the buck at the Hollywood Cemetery. I guess that's, you know, hey, man, that shows that the community can come together and solve something pretty quick. I mean you know they're not super sleuths they're just putting two and two together. Hey, we know where that buck is normally. And it ain't
4: Prince Edward County. Same thing we've been talking about with the other cases. you know you need help from the people. Law enforcement can't do it on their own and give them a little bit of help and they're gonna take it and go. Uh, we also talked about Kamar Hill uh, kamar Hall,
2: uh, my biologist. Kamar Hall earlier, he is the clerk from South Richmond that was murdered. Killed in cold blood last week. Uh, it was about this time, last Wednesday, when uh, a alleged robber came into the Southside Dollar General store, told him to move it to get to the, uh, the, the um, cash register. Uh, my sources tell me the guy claimed he wasn't moving fast enough, and then he shot him in cold blood over there. This guy was a grandfather, a father, and uh, just sad stuff. He talked to his wife. Uh, Last week, uh, she is uh, obviously beside herself. That was the love of her life. And uh, now she has to endure Christmas without her husband. The the kids have to endure it without uh, their father, the grandfather.
4: How sad is that? I mean, it's just awful (laughs) when you think about it that uh, they have to go through this. And I'm going to make a prediction right here on air. I bet this killer has got a lengthy criminal history that includes multiple violent crimes i'll be very surprised if this is the first time he's ever committed a violent crime and it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he were not some form of parolee or someone that was out on bond or in other words a career criminal and somebody that we as society need to lock him up and we've seen that a lot lately man
2: it seems like my last four or five years of my career i've done Numerous stories on on guys that have somehow uh, gotten out of good behavior. They've uh, slipped uh, parole a couple years early, however that happened, and next thing you know, they're involved in something else. Uh, the, the case out of uh, Henrico County, the Moody's. Um, you know that um, the son that is now the alleged killer in that he was supposed to be in prison until December of twenty twenty seven.
4: Well, I think we're going through that uh, nationwide right now. I, I, I think it, there is a big pendulum is the way I like to explain it. And over my time in law enforcement, I've seen that pendulum swing back and forth. And sometimes it swings all the way to the right or all the way to the left. And I think right now we're seeing a time where the pendulum is a little bit too far in the direction of the criminal and the bad guy and not quite, and the direction of the average citizen, the person that needs to be protected. So uh, based on my experiences, that pendulum will swing back eventually, and the community will get fed up with the crime, and the community will t- support their police and tell their officers, go get them. This is a bad guy. We need him off the street to protect us. And when that happens, and I have no idea when that'll be, I don't know whether that'll be a month from now or whether that'll be seven years from now. I don't know. But... We need that pendulum to swing back. We need our community to say, make us safe. Go get them, boys and girls. And when they uh, start backing the blue, start supporting law enforcement like that, then you're going to see better uh, criminals, more apprehensions, and more bad guys in jail. Well, I I can tell you that –
2: you thought you saw the start of that swinging of the pendulum when we had a, a, a number of homicides uh, back in the, the late summer months where you could kind of see online, like even folks that you know are against Project Exile, were screaming for Project Exile to come back. So you kind of saw it, but it's just kind of dulled out now where no one's really talking about it. But, like you said, the pendulum swings, but when it swings back, will they have the necessary manpower to to make those arrests, to to make it happen?
4: I think they'll need to build back up, honestly. Uh, It's sort of like a military operation. You know, if you decimate your enforcement capabilities, whether it be through uh, money, funding, or, you know, lack of support, uh, no recruits, people leaving the business early, whatever it is, If you decimate your enforcement arm, then it's going to take a little bit of time to build it back up once the community and once the people say, let's get after it again. So yes, there will be an impact there.
2: What do you, how would you sell it, Steve? We have about a minute and a half here. How would you sell it to someone coming out of high school, coming out of college with a a degree in criminal justice to say, putting on this uniform is a great idea?
4: Well, boy, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, first thing I'll go to, and this is in no way of condemnation of education because I'm educated myself and I, I believe in education, but I don't think that should be our top priority when it comes to public safety and law enforcement. Uh, I would prefer that we go after the best people that we can find, uh, the most qualified, the ones with the best morals integrity uh the ones that have skills and if they're educated that's great if they're not then we will educate them through the years so you know you have to choose the right people that's where it starts and that's the bottom line and uh, it's tough right now because a lot of folks are not coming out but i i think in the bottom line i will say it has to be about what's in your heart and what's in your head Uh, A police law enforcement recruit needs to be somebody where this fits them to a T. They want to do it because it's the right thing. They're going to serve their community, and they're going to go out there and uh, do what needs to happen. Steve Neal, retired
2: captain with Chesterfield Police. I'm John Burkett, filling in for Jeff Katz, the CBS 6 Crime Insider. I am, not Jeff. Uh, Jeff will be back uh, sometime in a couple weeks. But uh, right now we're going to head to break. And then we'll be back on the flip side with more with Captain Steve Neal. Stick around. In the home stretch now. December 18, 2023, John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. I am the Crime Insider at CBS6, and I'm joined by my buddy Steve Neal, a retired police captain, Chesterfield Police. He's Join me all afternoon, basically. That's what friends do for each other, right? We're here. (laughs) We were just talking during a break. Uh, There's this case out of Strasburg, Virginia, which is like uh, Shenandoah Valley. And it's a a woman overnight, I guess. They were called for a disturbance call at the hotel or the motel she was at. When she got there, she got disruptive. Uh, According to police, troopers say she grabbed the trooper's baton and started striking him in the head, mm. and that's when he released his, his weapon and, and killed her.
4: That's a tough female there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If she can take a baton away from a state trooper and start beating him with it, that's uh, something you don't see every day. But I will say this, uh, through the years of my experience, women are sometimes some of the worst criminals that you can run up against. And Why, why do you think that is? Well, I don't know, but you know, they're willing to scrap, fight, claw, yeah. kick, uh, do whatever uh, oftentimes, whereas men tend to be wanting to fight it out, but the women will do just about anything. Wow.
2: Well, this case is obviously being uh, investigated by state police. Uh, it said she was transported to the hospital where she later succumbed to her injuries. Um, I don't know, man. It just it, its not kind of goes in that, what we were talking about earlier. We've had four or five here in central Virginia in the last month that have been shot, uh, all of them non-life-threatening, thankfully. And and the one that really sticks out, especially Christmas time, this time of year, is he's got kids, he's got four kids, is that Virginia State University police officer, uh, Bruce Foster.
4: Yeah, thankfully he's going to get a little bit of help going forward because he's going to need it. That's a a very significant case, and anybody that's willing to get on that train and help him, I I would say uh, good for you and you you worked with VSU
2: police during your career so you you know that's a you know you guys are there for each other you're right hand left hand and you're there for each other and it's to hear something like that where he wasn't the 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 alleged shooter wasn't even involved in the call he was there to be a part of i mean that's it's horrendous
4: that's another random attack like we've been talking about and law enforcement is definitely coming under more random attacks there's no doubt about it uh, as far as this woman that stole the baton that again is a lethal assault on that police officer you could kill somebody with that baton so he had every right to use deadly force against her
2: people don't know what that asp or the baton is what is it
4: well for lack of a better description it's a metal rod uh, that is reinforced and uh, it's not something that's very easy to bend or break and it is absolutely an instrument that could be used for murder and with the flick of the wrist that thing pops out and extends right Absolutely. You snap it uh, with your wrist, and it extends. Gives you about a three-foot or so uh, range and a reach. So this female uh, striking this officer about to head with that baton, that's uh, life-threatening, and, and therefore a deadly force is called for.
2: Uh, it's a dangerous situation there in the Shenandoah, uh, Shenandoah Valley. I mean, all, ugh, awful, especially this time of year. Uh, we've also uh, – tomorrow, I want to remind you guys that uh, filling in for Jeff Katz tomorrow is – Jeff Katz uh, and you're like what huh? scratching your head it's Colonel Jeffrey Katz uh, the chief of police in Chesterfield. he'll sit in the hot seat along with Sheriff Carl Leonard and Tim Anderson delegate Tim Anderson who's also an attorney. Uh, so I don't know if they're gonna I don't know how they're gonna run tomorrow's show they're gonna chop it up in uh, an hour apiece if they're to join each other at the same time all three at the same time I'm told. So, uh, you know, all three at the same time, and uh, they're going to be in here, and I'm sure they're going to talk probably some of the stuff we talked about and how law enforcement is affected nowadays by these changes.
4: That's going to be a great show with true law enforcement professionals. These men are some of the best in the country, and we're fortunate to have them right here in our region. So that's going to be a great show, and I'm going to listen to it.
2: And a reminder uh, for all of you out there listening, this full show can be found on the Odyssey app, uh, under the Jeff Katz show here shortly after uh, we, we sign off at the, the top of the hour. Uh, again, John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. Uh, also want to mention the Reopen the Case Foundation documentary that's tonight. Uh, that's on CBS 6 at 10 p.m. primetime. Uh, it's called Reopen the Case uh, Foundation Documentary, and it is on uh, a case out of Lunenburg. It started with one case of murder, uh, you one of the worst murders that county has probably ever seen, which is the murder of 17 year old Sion Carroll. Uh, and you know, his family makes no bones about it. He was in trouble in Henrico County. They moved him to that location to get him out of trouble and into a better life. And I think the family feels guilty for moving in there.
4: Well, you know, a lot of families try to help their loved ones like that, and it, there's no doubt that statistically speaking you are at a higher risk if you are living a risky lifestyle. Uh, but that, either, even with that being the case, uh, nobody deserves to die, and especially doesn't deserve to die at the hands of another.
2: And then you talk about, I mean, obviously, you know, when you're talking about this situation where they're going from Henrico, which is close to Richmond, and they're going to move him out to Lunenburg, which is an hour and 20 minutes away southwest. They obviously thought there was a better chance of him surviving
4: and in turning his life around. Crime is everywhere. Uh, it, you know, certain areas are a little bit more prevalent than others, but crime is everywhere. And that's something
2: that I kind of opened my eyes in this documentary, Steve, is just uh, talking to folks in that small town and to hear their stories of how rampant crime is especially the drugs, uh, the gang activity they were telling me about. I mean, you're talking about a population of 12,000 people, but they
4: run some drugs through that place. Small areas, like you said, small towns, they're struggling with resources. So it's a a real battle for a small town or a small county, and I suspect Lunenburg probably has faced that battle.
2: And I think some of the resources uh, in this, it's kind of, you know, the family has felt like they're kind of kicking the the can down the road, and it's falling in the lap now of the state police. Well, the state police are trying to uh, take control of this homicide investigation, but it was with the town police before uh, apparently the Lunenburg sheriff's department said, uh, we don't have the resources send it to the state. So, and that's, that's normal, I guess, for a town that's small. I mean, you have small police agencies within, so it's all about
4: resources. And if they ain't got the resources and they can't do the investigation. I can remember cases back in the day where we'd have a homicide and we would have, you know, upwards of 30 people working on that case at a time. And and that's 30 people that can't work on something else. And generally, you go around the clock in the first 48 hours. uh, Most agencies, most homicides, the first 48 hours are really important time. And so you're talking about a lot of resources. And a small area like Lunenburg, they don't have that many people on their entire sheriff's department. Right.
2: And, and, and one thing I've always wanted to ask you is, you know, you're talking about the first 48 and how that information is important is, is when you have an investigation, this may sound like a simple question, but this is something I came up in this case and I was like, huh, it's kind of a head scratcher. So if you have uh, a person that goes missing and you're the investigator, okay, who do you want to talk to about that person missing?
4: Well, the first people you're going to go to are the people that are closest to that individual, whether it be family, boyfriends, girlfriends, somebody, a good friend, co-workers, somebody that you know very likely has had some contact with them. So you're going to be seeking out uh, information, and you need to get that information from the person closest to the person that's missing.
2: And this is all going to make sense to you listening once you watch the documentary tonight. Uh, at 10 o'clock that you're like whoa are you are you kidding me so it's just some of the stuff that we came up with there and i know there's lack of resources i'm not uh, you know oblivious to that but it's just that man you seem like you, you really feel for the families in this and you know obviously uh it's taxing on investigators too because they're constantly getting called what's going on what's going on what's going on but uh it just seems like in this case um
4: Uh, A lot of I's still need to be dotted, a lot of T's still need to be crossed. Well, I I can't speak to this particular case because I don't know the facts and the details. However, there are on occasion, and it's rare, thankfully, law enforcement typically does a fabulous job for people. But on occasion, you'll have some places, some people, some detectives, and they're maybe not as good as they need to be.
2: We're coming up on 543 here this December 18th, 2023. Got a week to go before Christmas. A lot of things going on there. The hustle and bustle. People last minute gift shopping. Uh, if you heard us earlier, uh, we had Mary Johnson on. She had some tips. Fitness at gmail.com. Make sure you look her up and, uh, and see what she's got to offer for this holiday season. And uh, stick around. I think we're going to take a break real quick. We'll take a break real quick. We're going to finish this thing out here at the, the other side of the break. I'm John Burkett, filling in for Jeff Katz here on WRVA News Radio,
5: 1140, 96.1 FM. <laughs> bad boys, what you want?
3: What you want? What you going to do? When
2: the come for you? Bad boys, bad boys.
4: Always like that one. ha ha
2: ha. Man, i tell you what, that was one of my favorite shows growing up. I used to love watching
4: that. Yes, sir.
2: 549, December 18, 2023. John Burkett, the Crime Insider, CBS 6, filling in for Jeff Katz this afternoon. With My buddy Steve Neal is in the studio. He's been here with us all day long. And we got some guests coming up tomorrow, some guest hosts tomorrow. Jeff Katz. Not Jeff Katz, the radio guy, but Jeff Katz, Colonel Jeff Katz. Chesterfield Police, Sheriff Carl Leonard. He'll be doing tomorrow's show. Uh, as well as uh, uh, Tim Anderson, delegate Tim Anderson. So, going to be an action-packed show tomorrow as well. Uh, I will not be here. Those three will be hosting that uh, show tomorrow afternoon, starting right here at three p.m.
4: Eastern time. Steve, you got your um, you ready for the holidays? Well, you know it's sneaking up on me like always, but uh, I'll be I'll be scrapping till the last minute probably. But I'm getting there. I was saying, the older I get, it seems like the faster it starts coming.
2: And my daughter, Clara, her favorite two words are I want. <laughs> so it's just one of those things where you're trying to balance the I want between, okay, should she get this? You know, that kind of thing. Yes.
4: Yeah, you know, it's we're very fortunate that we are able to provide for our kids, as we were talking about earlier with the Reverend. There's a lot of people that can't. So uh, the more that we can do to help those that are in need, the better off we're going to be. And
2: also, the you know, learning what the Isaac Samuel Rodriguez Foundation has. And, again, if you guys missed that, uh, there's a foundation out there. We had the foundation, the founders of the foundation on here, and they were talking about how they, they offer home improvements as well as uh, they've got some toys for kids six and under, and they've got some hats and scarves and stuff for the older kids that if you are in dire need and you have nothing for Christmas and you need something to put <laughs> underneath the tree, basically then you can reach out to them at Marta Alvarado 1976 at iCloud.com that's M A R T A A L V A R A D O 1976 at iCloud.com. So there are a lot of organizations out there, uh, willing to help. And obviously, uh, the Rodriguez, the Isaac Samuel Rodriguez foundation is, That was born off of a tragedy. It was born off of his son's murder.
4: I was so impressed with Jose and uh, the way he talked and what he has done by taking that personal tragedy, which is, you know, it's almost unimaginable. I I can only imagine losing your son. And he has taken that now and he's doing something positive with it. So I give him kudos and uh, respect him very much for doing that.
2: It's a, a lot of things that uh, it kind of magnifies around this time of year. And, and we've talked a lot about crimes that uh, they are. They're magnified because this is a holiday season. This was supposed to be joyous with your family, with your friends. And just hearing some of these tragedies that uh, happen during the holidays, it's heartbreaking, man.
4: And it happens every year, unfortunately. I, I can remember times through the years where I was actually – working but i was at home trying to eat christmas dinner or thanksgiving dinner and you hear the alert tones and here we go somebody's been murdered or whatever the case is so it it happens unfortunately every year and you know we probably should give a shout out to our public safety people as well because they're out there Every minute, every hour of every day. And when everybody else is home having fun with their family, your public safety people are on the job. So shout out to them also.
2: A shout out to them as well as, uh, you know, like you said, those who work uh, around the clock, the firefighters, the paramedics. Uh, I saw a post the other day uh, on Facebook, and someone was uh, doubting or, or questioning uh how much work the vcu medical center is doing i'm like are you kidding me i mean they're doing great work down there because so our murder rate would be way worse than it is if we didn't have those folks down there saving lives
4: oh, they've saved an untold number of lives i wouldn't have any idea what the real numbers are but i can guarantee you it's significant they're they're doing uh, god's work along with the public safety people and they're saving lives and uh, we appreciate them it's always tough to be, you know, around the holiday
2: season. And I speak myself, I speak probably uh, what police and, and, and firefighters think as well. I'm in an occupation that doesn't stop. It keeps on going around the clock. And, uh, you know, I'm not jealous of those who get time off, but they need to feel, they gotta, you're fortunate for what you're dealing with. As far, you know, I told my wife, she works for the state I said, you're fortunate. To, to work for the state and have a little bit of time off and, and, and uh, because the news cycle doesn't slow down. The police officers have to go to work. Uh, firefighters have to go to work, paramedics have to go to work. So it's just uh, it's just one of those things that I know I chose this profession. It opens my eyes though to just how much how much work that there is to be done.
4: It's a strange feeling when you're out there on a time like that, say Christmas Day or whatever it has to be, and these bad things are happening. And and I can tell you right now, I'll be the first to confess, it can bring a tear to your eye. Uh, Some of the things that you see and some of the things that some people have to deal with, they're not fit for human consumption. So uh, again, I'm a shout out to all our public safety and medical people, hospitals, nurses, doctors, things like that.
2: Uh, retired Captain Steve Neely's been with me all afternoon, man. I appreciate you coming in. I really do enjoy your, your company and uh, wish you and your family Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for having me. And uh, my name is John Burkett. I'm the Crime Insider for CBS 6. Real quick before we get out of here, I want to remind folks to watch the Reopen the Case Foundation documentary tonight on Center Street. It's focused around a case in Lunenburg County. Please, CBS 6 at 10 p.m. I want to remind you to watch that. It's been humbling to sit in here for Jeff Katz. You know, Jeff was ranked number two by the Barrett Media Group for a mid-market show in 2023. This guy does great work uh, along with John Reed in the morning. John does excellent work too. Jeff's also the top 50 talk show host in the entire country. That's a lot. That's a lot uh, of, of of accolades there for Jeff, and he does great work, and we really appreciate um, uh, I appreciate him allowing me to sit in this seat and go back to my roots which was radio. Well, to honor our men and women in uniform, uh, right here in our community, those police officers, those firefighters, paramedics, and those fighting for our country, I now leave you with the national anthem. Happy holidays, folks.
4: God bless America. <laughs>